OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid Podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start as low as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. joined by Dakota Lasky. We are burning the midnight oil tonight, baby. We are we are uh, doing a late night show. There's no place I'd rather be, Dak. How are you? Oh man, I am uh, I'm exhausted, I'm not gonna lie, man. It's been a, a long week and it's only uh, Monday. So <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's good to be doing another episode. Good to be back in the normal swing of things though that'll be changing a bit in the coming weeks but you know getting in the reps as needed as usual and uh the the year continues we march forward we got another episode i'm glad to be here that's right this is uh so we're back on our definitive ranking train and this is the first definitive ranking in almost six months so it's the first one that we've done since metroid dread came out and uh, that was back in November. So wow. we are here to kick it old school, as old as school gets, and do a definitive ranking of the original Metroid, a.k.a. Nestroid, which I feel like we might be uh, referring to it as um, really quick. Just, uh, you know, you heard our homage at the top of the show. Just want to give uh, a shout out to Scott Hall, who just passed away a couple hours before we are recording this. One of my favorite wrestlers as a kid, and uh, I thought that that dude was like the coolest guy. That like this guy was cool personified. So uh, yeah. rest in peace, buddy. Absolutely. It's too bad. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and I, I can't imagine what you know his family and friends are going through. You know, Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman. You know, guys who grew up in the business with him. Another favorite wrestler of mine as well, and you know I was a I was a, a fan of Razor Ramon, but as a as a WCW kid, you know just straight up Scott Hall and the NWO man, like that was there's that nobody was, cooler. Yeah, that, that was, he was the he was that dude, and it was great to see how well he was how well he had done, you know, recently health wise, right? Like he had had done a lot yeah. of good work with DDP and. Had really uh, been, you know, I would say, gotten a lot of uh, time that maybe he didn't expect to have. So I'm sure he was surrounded by, you know, friends and family and tons of people who loved him and will continue to love him. And it's a, it's a real shame that it, you know, he's passed away today. So yeah, that's uh, that, that really what, sucks. <laughs> I I think just to touch on what you said, um, I think that this is time that maybe people didn't expect him to have these last couple of years. Exactly. So. Yeah. It's it's great to see that and what a positive legacy that he leaves. Um, so yeah, uh, rest in peace to the rest bad in guy. Peace. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get it. Let's get it going here. We are talking about the original 
Metroid here, and we're definitive ranking, and since it's been a while, I'm just going to break it down um, what exactly definitive ranking is. So we are going to uh, rank this game based on the 10 criteria that we feel make up a, a great Metroid game, and those criteria are the world and atmosphere, so the vibe, the setting, the mood, uh, what's that like? The art style, so the design of Samus, the enemies, graphics in general, uh, the story, what works, what doesn't, pacing and progression, yeah, you know, if there is there any parts where the player is bogged down, lost, without recourse, anything like that, um, the gameplay or the quote-unquote gimmick of the game, um, the items and abilities, how cool are power-ups and how practical are they, the areas of the game, uh, the enemies and bosses of the game, the expansions and power-ups, and of course, the music. And when it comes to a game like Nestroid, I the approach that I'm going to take, Dak, and you can take whatever approach you want, but I'm, I'm going to try and kind of do a balancing act between how I think it holds up today, but also, you know, the the significance of it and how it held up at the time. Um, and maybe maybe in some areas that that cocktail will be mixed a little bit more heavy to one side than others. But I'm, I'm going to try and, and put on a hat that... Because, uh, you know, this is obviously an old game and a lot of things don't hold up. So I'm going to try and be a little bit fair to it and try and think about what, you know, the, the, the gaming situation was back in the late 80s. Because um, I think that it could be easy to dunk on this game. And actually, I've been playing a lot of, of Nestroid lately for OmegaMetroid.com. And I think I came away with a different opinion of this game, which we'll get into here. And maybe I'm a little bit more positive than I would have been a few months ago. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I, I don't really think that we've ever done a deep dive on the original game on this show in, in over two years. No, I don't think we have, right? Because this game is... Well, in a lot of ways, it, there you can tell how the fundamentals of what were established, what was established in this game, really carried through the franchise. And in a lot of ways, on the other hand, a lot of this game didn't age too well, in my opinion. So I think it's a very half and half for me. And yeah, I, I think yeah. I'll mostly kind of, kind of look at it from the lens of playing it today. But at the same time, you know, we'll do my best to keep it kind of, you know in context of what it meant at the time and, and how it, you know, what it is for an NES game, you know, to compare it to like dread in some ways, like obviously it's just not going to stack up, but of course, it, it, I think there are a lot of good things about this game that do stack up or at the very least can be appreciated still in 2022 and aren't just, you know, hand waved as, Oh, this is an old game, boomer game, whatever. Um, that said, there are certainly aspects of it before we continue, actually uh, just a little fun tidbit. Um, this Metroid NES came out on in in August of 1987, which was six years before I was born. But around that time, and within the days of the game coming out in North America, uh, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, was wrestling in AWA with uh, Kurt Hennig, with uh, Larry Zbysko, and uh, was was wrestling actively around the time of the game releasing. And might have actually stopped to play a little bit of Metroid in between matches, in between, you know, shows on the road. So I'd like to think that maybe he got a little chance to give it a whirl in between some AWA events. There you go. How about that? I didn't yeah. know that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's hope that he's uh, he's playing it right now up in the up in the big hall. Um, mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get it started here with our first category and talk about. The world and atmosphere of this game. And uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You can go first. Go for it. Okay. So I I think I'm going to give this a two. Um, the, the game obviously has a bunch of limitations that, uh, that we'll also talk about when we get to the areas of the game. But I do feel like the atmosphere is... I mean, it's very... Oppressing. It's very, it's very dark. Every background is just a plain black background. It feels like a dark alien planet. Um, and you do, by virtue of, of the way that this game plays, uh, which again, will it kind of bleeds into another category. You, you do kind of get the, uh, the feeling that you are lost and that you are alone and isolated. I, you know what? I could even be convinced maybe to go up to a three 
uh, which I think I might do because I think this might be actually one of the higher categories that this game excels at. But um, it, it ironically, to the detriment of some of the other things on this list, gameplay, areas, um, art style, perhaps, I, I think that it actually does build an atmosphere that feels tense and dangerous and lonely, which... I don't know if the game maybe is always intending to do that and intending to be frustrating and desolate, but I I do think that it it does that well. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna up what I said to a three actually, just to be a little bit more positive. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I would actually give it a four. Uh, you mentioned the the just the straight up black backgrounds, and that's what sticks out to me the most when you play this game. Because when you think of like Super Metroid, you have like some really nice detailed backgrounds, even for its time on the Super ne- Super Nintendo, and then obviously you get a lot more of like dynamic backgrounds and 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 contrast in like Fusion and Samus Returns and Dread. You obviously have the benefit of it being in you know 2.5D with a 3D background, mm-hmm. so you get even more. But I think less is more with this game because you don't have anything in the background and just completely blank. Your your mind kind of fills in the blanks for you. And you it really like there's nothing there, so it feels absolutely desolate. You never know like really like what could kind of come around the corner in some ways, right? Like where you are at some points is not exactly clear as uh, you know it, it doesn't draw your eye away too much. It kind of like in in like your peripheral almost at times, you kind of have in the back of your head that there's more going on or that there's you know, <clears throat> a lot that could be filled in. Your brain kind of does a little bit of that and allows your imagination to kind of run wild a little bit. And having just a completely stark, dark background, I think also adds to that sense of isolation because there's no, like, there's no give back, right? You're you're looking you're looking into a mirror and nothing's looking back at you in a way. So that, you know, like, you don't kind of get lost in, like, the pretty backgrounds or the environments. It's just nothingness. And I think that kind of absolute nothingness really aids to this game that makes it really more so like obviously it's a retro game it just feels so eerie and uns- and like unrelatable and unsettling and mm-hmm. you know it's not like you can get lost in like the pretty environments and the backgrounds like it's there's nothing there for you and i think that really does add to the the experience in that way so i would i would give that a four and, and it works well with uh the very odd design of the characters and and the the world and the music i think it paired so well with the music as well because the music itself is also very minimalist which is you know a product of its time but also a, a stylistic choice too and that in combination you know the minimalist kind of music and the just blank backgrounds really work well together um yeah i i think i agree with everything that you said um i think that i'm maybe holding back a little bit because i do feel like it's at the expense of some other stuff, but we'll get there. Uh, mm-hmm. Next up, we have the art style, and I'm gonna give it a four actually, and I'm gonna give it a four one because I really love the sprite work of all the different enemies and stuff, and the the sprite work of Samus herself I think is is awesome. Um, and you know what? Most of this game is just black backgrounds, but I do think that it's like kind of cool that you go into like the different areas and it's all this like crazy purpley bubbles and just weird looking architecture around everywhere. Um, And I also want to bring up too, that uh, the official artwork for Samus and for just some of the creatures in this game is absolutely awesome. And I, that, that weighs into my uh, score for the artwork as well. The, uh, the official art for this game is just so incredible. Like you look at Ridley and you look at Kraid and the origins of those characters and what they eventually morphed into is just absolutely wild because it's night mm-hmm. and day. Um, so yeah, I, I think that you know, as far as as far as sprite work, as far as the artistic direction, I think that they actually did a really good job with this game in making. And again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. There's so much black in the background that it really makes the colors that are there. Yes. really pop so uh, i i think that it does a good job in that uh, in that category i was about to say that's another big part of it is that, yeah your your eye isn't kind of taken away from the background instead you really can focus on the architecture and the actual environments that you're in that are on the foreground and on the actual plane of the gameplay rather than the background which is nothing wrong with that obviously i mean we just got done talking about you know metroid prime 
in uh, while well, we talked about a bunch of games last week, but we mentioned how like there are great environments in Metroid Prime. Obviously, Super Metroid has awesome backgrounds. Dread has awesome backgrounds. Samus Returns, even Fusion. But when you don't have any kind of background at all, you have to focus on the environment itself that you're on the same plane as what Samus is on. So I 100% agree, and I love the just the the dichotomy of of kind of what you'd expect from an alien world and then stuff that just feels so outlandish. It's almost and you're like another dimension. And that's that's what I love about uh, and Metroid does that really well in a lot of cases. Um, and I think it's maybe kind of strayed away from that in some ways. And I wish it would kind of get back to that and feel like it was a bit more abstract and and, and weird. Um, I w I'm actually going to knock it down to a three, though, because I agree with everything you said, except the the sprite work for the enemies is great. But for Samus and for the bosses, I just can't. Just doesn't work for me. Like Samus looks so dopey. Ridley oh, and Craig look so she looks dopey. So cute. They like like if you were like when you look at Samus, at times I'm like, what are, what is that supposed to be? Like I don't even like it's such a it's such a weird like is that's if someone had never seen like a human walking <laughs> before. Like just her helmet looks so off to me. I think that's the biggest thing is her helmet looks so bad. Maybe not bad, but just like it's way too like. Like, it's like she doesn't have a neck, you know, which I guess makes sense. You can only put so many pixels into it, but it's, it's just, it's very weird to me how, like, how it's shaped. Uh, Kraid and Ridley just look so silly. Mother Brain looks awesome, but, like, Raiden... Mother Kraid, Brain, you know what? We didn't mention the Metroids either, which... The Metroids maybe, are cool. They might not have been beaten since this original game, actually. Yeah, they look spectacular. But, but you can't really mess up that design, I think. It's like a big... No, but it's just such a great blob, design yeah. that this game created. I agree. I, yeah. I'll I'll definitely give you uh, Ridley looks maybe Ridley a little looks bit silly. silly. Yeah. Although like, yeah. I like the way that Kraid looks. I do got to say he's got that menacing dinosaur gimmick going on. It. I, I like it. He got a, he's got a dinosaur thing going on. I don't want to say menacing, but I think Samus is the big drawback for me. Samus just looks so silly to me, and it's such a stark contrast from every other <laughs> Metroid game, even like Metroid the original Metroid Two. Like Samus just looks so much better in every other Metroid game that comes from it that the original Metroid Samus just looks so out of place and and really reminds you that you're playing a video game because it's just like a, a weird, silly-looking character that just doesn't match, I think, the rest of what we know about Samus and really the rest of the game, too. So I would I would knock it down to a 3 for that reason. Uh, okay, I, that's that's totally fair. You're, you're batting higher than I thought you would so far, actually, to be honest. So hmm. let's see if we can keep that going. I want We're you to go first We're only two categories here. in, though. We're only yeah. two categories in. So. Well, take us away on the third, my friend. What do you give in this game in terms of story? In terms of story, uh, I got two, I guess. <laughs> like, it's really, um, like, there really isn't much of one. <laughs> like, Samus shows up on the planet. She's got a mission. Uh, she goes and kills some bosses. She takes out Mother Brain. There's really not much going on. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of underselling it, but I feel like other NES games had more of a story. Like, even, like, Super Mario Brothers. Maybe not Super Mario Brothers, but, like, even, like, Zelda feels like has a little bit more of a story to me. Um, I, I, you know, let I me tell know. you where I'm at. So I was thinking of Zelda 2, uh, like, Zelda, the, the first Zelda. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, like, that game really doesn't have a story either. But then, speaking of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, I was like, this game came out around the same time as Metroid. And that, that one did have, like, a fairly more fleshed-out story. I, I was about to give this a one, actually, and I kind of stopped myself, and I was like, you know, like, this game introduced us to... it does have a story. To, it does it, have it a does. story. It does. Yeah. And I think, and I think I'm, I'm mostly paying respect to, like, okay, this game introduced Samus, the Space Pirates, uh, Metroids, Tori, like, all that, all that stuff. So I, I think that you do have to pay a certain amount of homage, but, I mean, it's certainly not... You know, I, I mean, I think that we forget, like, like Metal Gear was released on the NES around the same time, right? Yes. Like that that had a story and like Final Fantasy had a story yep, yep. and you know it wasn't exactly the the goal of this game to have you know this rip roar and story and and frankly a lot of Metroid games don't but it's it is very very bare bones. Um so I it, gave it a 2 as well. It's serviceable. It's like enough to have be like the framework for a game. But like, you know, Again, like I brought up, like Super Mario Brothers, which I would say has about the same amount of story. Maybe not, e maybe even less, right? Like it, it's you, you're looking for Peach, and that, like that's it, and that's like the entire driver of the story. Right. 
but that's not like but like Mar- that game is so carried by its gameplay like it's like that's 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 the jumping off point for so like a whole genre and metroid nes i would say is to a degree but super metroid really kind of defined what we now know is like what like the metroidvania genre in a lot of ways so but then again like the building block for that is this game so i don't know i i did yeah the story is like enough it's not it doesn't have no story so i can't give it a one or a zero mm-hmm. but it does you're right like there are other games that came out around the same time you can't just look at it in like the context of a metroid games but like around other nes games that came out too even other non-nintendo specific nes games and you know metal gear solid and final fantasy are perfect examples of that where those have very clear stories and are told with the same amount of, of resources really so i don't know i think it's again a kind of a characteristic like you said of metroid where story isn't the focus even though i think when it does have a strong story it that makes it shine even more so than if it just was a good game in terms of gameplay but you know they they didn't really go out of their way to do more with the story when certainly more could have been done and for that reason i'm gonna give it a two well i and i think that when when we got to you know, Super Metroid to an extent, but certainly to Metroid Prime. I, I think that we really cracked the code of like Metroid story, I think is told best through environmental storytelling, which you just, you can't really do on the NES in the same way that you could later um, with those other consoles. Yeah. So it, that, that has a little bit of, of a disadvantage as well. Well, you had all um, that blank space there, man. Could have thro- thrown something in the background, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you I a lot of room. All right, let's uh, let's keep going here. Pacing and progression, and this is all you. Th- this one to me is very similarly linked to the gameplay, but I think for pacing and progression, I am going to give it a one. Um, oh, okay. And I'm and I'm going to give it a one because if you don't have a map then you are, I mean, you're just wandering around aimlessly back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now, the, you know, the the tricky thing here is like, that's really what this game was intended, the players for, like, that's what the, the game wanted the players to do, is to wander around back and forth, is to kind of make their own map. You know, that that's really how they sold the, the length of the game, the longevity of the game back there, mm-hmm. um, or back then. So... I, on one hand, I I feel like I should cut a little bit of leeway, but then I mean, on the other hand, I just I play it in 2022, and it's just like without a map, which bleeds into the gameplay, which we'll get into next. It's like this is just a, a very frustrating experience because you're you're lost all the time. You've you've grinded to your progression is really just grinded to a halt if you don't have some semblance of area or where you're going and while i do think that this this actually does add to the ambiance and the atmosphere like we were talking about because it does make it feel more oppressive and desolate and lonely and frustrating i think that's to the expense of the pacing and progression where you know as as great as creating that atmosphere is um you know it's just i i don't know how you play this game without a map and the map is not included anywhere in the game so you know that being said uh like i said this this kind of bleeds over into the gameplay as well because no map is obviously a big part of the gameplay but i just feel like in straight up like i'm picking up this game and i'm gonna you know i want to have a fun leisurely time with it i just i don't think you can without using a a third party map or a third party you know something yeah i think i give it a one I think the biggest, and I'm going to give it a one too, but I think the biggest problem with it is I don't think no map is necessarily an issue in terms of like that was the intent of the game and it really, it could work, but the the slow pace of the gameplay is really in conjunction with that is what the issue is. Because at least if like you could move faster and you could do more than like backtracking and like wandering around aimlessly wouldn't be as excruciating. Like without a map, you could eventually figure it out at a quicker pace. But because you don't know where you're going and you like are moving so sluggishly and you don't have like a shine spark or a speed booster or anything to make you go faster in any kind of way whatsoever, you're just moving at the same pace at the all the time, like it really starts to drag on you, I think. 
and it, it's begging you to look like it, it's it's a solution that a player is always going to look for you know like they're like all right i'm going to look it up like i'm going to look it up i'm going to look it up instead of kind of dealing with it especially these days with you know how prevalent looking things up is in 2022 but even you know maybe uh 10 years ago 20 years ago you'd still do the same thing and it's just you don't the game doesn't give you the tools to overcome that like aimlessness it kind of just like well yeah well you 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 got to deal with it good luck and that again maybe is more so not just the intent but a product of its time but at the same time i don't you know it's not it wasn't impossible around then to like incorporate some kind of system that would help players be less lost but i really think that might have just gone against the intent of, of the game developers at the time but it really that is one of the aspects of this game that just did not age well like i'm okay with without a map if you give me the tools to overcome not having a map but if you're gonna make me run through mud and not give me a means to get away from that as soon as possible or figure out my way a little easier then i'm gonna be like well screw this so yeah that's a one for me as well so i i kind of come back to like the the thing of like you either have to differentiate the areas enough that you can pick up on environmental cues that will help you navigate a little bit more mm-hmm. or you have a map and i just keep coming back to like you should have had a map and in it's not like you know it's it's not like we're talking about something outrageous like legend of zelda nes had a map and you know that that's a confusing game in and of itself because there's so many hidden spots and stuff like that and i don't know like i i you know i know that um uh, minneapolis king was just like I'm going to play this game and make my own map. And that was like how he enjoyed playing. And you know what? I, I suppose that that is the intention of the game. But I mean, if you just... That's true. You know, yeah. it, it all comes down to like, if you want to pick up and play this game, it's just like, I, I don't know. I just can't see anybody breezing through this leisurely in, in a in a one sitting or something. Yeah, like that. That, that's a good point, though, because, you know, we're, we're looking at it the context of nowadays where, you know, it's instant gratification or, you know, the access to knowledge is a lot higher than it was back in, you know, the 1980s, or whatever it was. And maybe that was kind of the intent where the game was like, you know what, like you're going to figure it out. And maybe you do have to go and open up a notebook and, and create a map yourself. And maybe that was kind of part of the experience in a way, because, uh, you know, another part of the game are like the different like passcodes you need and like save your passcode to like save your game and i'm sure that took needing to write that down somewhere too right so mm-hmm. i wonder if I, that was maybe kind I'm, of the intent of the game i'm glad that you brought that up actually because i was tempted to say when we were talking about the pacing is like if if you choose you can i mean you could put in a password and go like literally to the end of the game but yeah. i i don't I don't think that's the way that the game was intended to be no. played so i'm i'm going to ignore that i think that this will probably be the most controversial like category that we have in this game but let's let's kind of go over to the gameplay because i feel like that bleeds into it as well and and i think that nestroid does it does some things well i mean it like the we got to give we got to give credit to this game for being i mean really one of if not the first games where you can go left right up down um mm-hmm. and which is pretty you know it's pretty monumental it it introduced the concept of the morph ball and it introduced everything that we know in Metroid. And the big thing, but the big thing to me is like, you, you just have no map. And I feel like that really does hurt and hamper the gameplay. There are also some other technical things about this game that, that bring it down for me. Um, for example, when you go, if you have enemies chasing you and you go through a door and while the, while the animation is loading the next room, those enemies will keep moving and hit you while you're completely helpless, like stuck in the door, which I, I find a little bit frustrating. I think that it's weird that you can't get all of the energy tanks in this game. You can only get six out of the eight, uh, which is a little bit frustrating to me as well. But, you know, I, I think that for the most part, like there is there is a lot of really tight platforming in this game. Um, lots of, of areas where like you have to make very precise jumps which i think uh you know appeals to appeals to me um so i feel like i feel like i'm right in the middle and i'm gonna give it a three and and i feel like that might be erring on the high side because i really do feel like the the no map like really really hinders the gameplay and would would really turn off people from playing this game i think altogether 
Um, but all those other positive things, plus the the integration of the the passcode system that does kind of alleviate some of those pressures a little bit. I, I think I think I can be okay with giving it a three, somewhere right in the middle. Yeah, actually, I I give it a three as well for for everything you said. But I think the thing that sticks out to me really the most is that this game really nailed like the enemy types and how you play against how you fight against enemies like Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, even like the Prime games brought some of these enemies back and like even like you see them kind of in Samus Returns and Dread like some of these enemies like were just formulated really well early in Metroid's history and like those those designs stuck really well and aged really well like you go back and you play Super Metroid or, or Fusion or Zero Mission and you're you're fighting you're still fighting Zoomers you're fighting Screes you're fighting you know um the desk egas and your your freezing rippers right like those are aspects of of metroid games that really aged very well and those all come from the original metroid and when you play this original metroid like you're interacting with them in very similar ways and you're freezing them and you're jumping over and creating platforms for yourself and you're dodging attacks from coming from above and on you know below you and on the same you know surface as you like th these are things that stuck with the series for a long time and i think that's because they were designed so well from the get-go um, and a lot of really good nes games share that trait right like really classic enemies from a lot of classic uh, nes games ended up appearing very often in the later franchises uh, later games in those franchises not just because you know they reused the assets or they reused or not the assets they reused the enemies or they were calling back to them or they just you know kept them there because they were part of that world but i think because all those designs worked really well and translated really, really well to future games and i think metroid shares that like you can like when, when i went back and, and played this uh for what little i did like the stuff that i know from playing like fusion a ton of times and zero mission all that like that that still applies to what you have in the original metroid and these enemy types are so so recognizable their names certainly aren't, and I, as I was, like, playing this game and I looked up a bunch of, like, the enemies just so I could, like, learn their names again. Like, obviously, there are a bunch of enemies, like, I know the names. Um, but, like, there are so many enemies in this game where they just, like, they just came up with some random-ass name. Like, like, they just don't at all correspond to what the thing is. And I'm like, what is with the Metroid is either, like, spot-on with names or it's completely awful with names. And I think that's just a thing that's been with the game since their beginning and didn't just start with Dread. But, um... Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that keeps it at a 3 for me, maybe doesn't lower it to a 2, is that the, the gameplay surrounding and the enemy types, not the bosses. I think the bosses are another thing, because I think the bosses are not great in this game. But the the general enemies that you fight are really well designed and, and gave you that core Metroid gameplay that carries through future games really well. Okay. Well, I was, uh, was going to say a lot of that uh, about the enemies as well, but I was gonna save it for enemies and bosses oh yeah so. well i guess that's i guess but it's like integral to the gameplay i guess too you know i, um, I mean yeah it is it is so um, I, I guess besides enemies though i i mean i agreed with everything else you said it the, the map certainly is part of it. it does feel a bit sluggish um but at the same time yeah it's it just kind of puts you out there you can go in any direction you really kind of make it go on you gotta make it on your own and you don't have uh a lot of help for that i think that's for better or for worse you know uh, very uh, Metroid in its design, but yeah, I forgot that it's—I forgot that's another category. But I guess that those are very tied together. So, uh, and you know what? I mean, a lot of these categories are um, kind of derivatives of each other. But uh, we're almost two enemies, so I, let's keep on trucking along here, and um, we'll talk about the items and abilities. And okay. I think. I don't know. Do you, do you have a score for this? I'm kind of going back and forth in my head. You could tell that I didn't actually prepare before this. I'm just kind of doing it on oh, the fly. Oh, no, Andy. I know. How could you say um, that? I I think I have a score in my mind, but I want to hear what you have to say to see if you can influence me. No, I wanted you to go first, but I guess since uh, you want me to go first, I'll go first. Um, I don't know. I gave it a... a, a this is one of those categories where it was hard for me to look at it in the lens of like what was possible then and like as opposed to what's possible now <laughs> so uh i don't know i gave it a two <laughs> i feel like everything's kind of underwhelming in this game like for its time it was cool but like i feel like other power-ups in other games were just feel like a lot more dynamic and feel cooler to use and 
I don't know. There's nothing really stands out to me too much in this game. It doesn't have like a real like, uh, what's the word? Like a killer app or killer thing that kind of sticks out. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for this one too. I guess I'd give it a two. Uh, you didn't influence me the way that I, I was hoping that you would. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, all right. So I, I had written down two and I think I'm going to stick with two and, and I actually disagree. I think that this game does have a killer app and that is their screw attack and like mm. once you get once you get that okay. yeah. this game like completely changes it it's so much like easier it's so much more user friendly um but i think that everything outside of the screw attack is pretty like you start off and you get the long beam it's like uh okay um you get the high jump boots it's like eh, okay uh, yeah. then, I mean, you do get the ice beam and you get the wave beam, which are kind of neat, but I also feel like it's, it's a little bit disappointing going back to the gameplay that those don't stack on each other. Um, you can only have one or the other, which is also something that we saw in, in Metroid two, but uh, speaking of Metroid two, like that game, which is on the game boy. So, I mean, it's basically running on, on an as powerful or less powerful, uh, engine as Metroid NES. I mean, that game has some really cool items in it. It's got four different beams. It's got the space jump. It's got the spider ball like that. That one, I feel like has some really cool items. Whereas this one, um, you know, it's like you you don't really get anything all that incredibly dynamic. Like for the, the screw tack is, is an incredibly awesome item, but it's, I mean, it's just a jump. It doesn't really change how you play or anything like that. So I was I was going with it too, and I think that I'm going to stick with that. The other thing about the items in this game, which again goes back to the gameplay, is they are I I mean they're they're impossible to find if you're not using a map. Like I I challenge anybody that's playing Metroid for not even the first time, but maybe the first time in a while, uh, to find it to like tell me how you get the screw attack because it's. It's a combination of invisible walls and invisible blocks and it's just like it's very convoluted. Um, so I don't, yeah, I, I don't know if I can go to bat for the items like I was hoping to. Um, I was I was hoping that maybe you could sway me, but I just I don't think so. Well, I you don't know, think... I, I'll I'll admit that you make a good point about the screw attack. I won't change my score because I don't think I would change it just on the one item that really does change things up. But I think the biggest thing for me is that, like, there are two other games that kind of stick out to me in terms of, like, wow, these are, like, abilities and whatnot that, that really kind of stand out a lot more for an NES game. So I think of, like, the original Mega Man, for example. Like, that is a game where it's very defined. Right by yeah. its abilities and and that re they really change up the game like almost every time you pick up a new uh, weapon right and you beat a new robot master so like that's one and then you have like again super mario brothers where like the the there aren't too many different abilities but man like you'll you don't forget about the fire flower you don't forget about the star man like those those change up the game and they change up the game quicker and you get them a lot earlier too to your point right like it's not a hard like task to get those things and they really work in conjunction with the other um, aspects of the gameplay loop. So I think of the those uh, games immediately when I think of this. So I don't know. I mean, you're right about the screw attack, but I'd still... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving a disservice to the different beams and whatnot, maybe. But I, I just it's hard for me to think in context against like even like Super Metroid, which just does everything better and not too much later, you know, one right. console later. So I don't know. I'm going to keep it at two. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's fair. Like, the screw attack is an awesome in-game item. Um, but I, I think to to your point, like, you can you can play Metroid without ever getting anything other than five missiles and the Morph Ball. And, like, yeah. the other stuff helps you, but it's not crucial to the gameplay, which is, is too bad. Um, because, you know, like, you, you brought up Mega Man, and that's like... And then, granted, Mega Man has a, a little bit of an advantage because it's... it's certainly smaller levels that That's uh, also they true. deal with. But I, I do think that like you get those different, uh, those different beams, those different weapons and stuff in Mega Man. And it really does like completely change the dynamic of how you fight. And especially the way that they actually interplay with bosses. Like it would have been really cool if like 
there was a beam that Crade was was weak to, or there was a beam that Ridley was weak to, and like if you got that, if you took the time and actually found it on this desolate planet, you could, you know, you could go and uh, and be rewarded for that with uh, you know smoking Ridley in like five seconds. Mm-hmm. And and I guess to an extent, you you sort of can do that with the wave beam, but I don't know. I feel like not really. Um, so yeah, it, it's. I don't know. I I wanted to I wanted to love the items a bit more. I respect you know this game for setting up the morph ball for for setting up the screw attack. But I, like other than those, like the you know missiles weren't exactly a revolutionary power up. A high jump and a long shot aren't exactly revolutionary items. They're just extensions of what you already have. The ice beam was pretty cool, but um, yeah, it's it's hard to give them much more than that. I think. Um, all right, I'm interested to see what you're going to say about this. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about our next category, which is the areas of this game. I, I'm feeling, uh, I don't know. I, I've, I'm feeling maybe another two, but I could be a little bit generous and bump them up to a three. And for a couple different reasons, like, you know, obviously in Metroid NES, um, Every area is essentially identical except for the color palette of the blocks and the architecture and the bubbles and stuff like that. But I do think that despite that, this game actually does a pretty decent job, given the limitations that it has, in kind of theming all the different areas a little bit. And granted, a lot of that is due to the music. Um, but still, like, you go down into Ridley's Lair and, like, everything's got this purple hue and they... There are very distinct enemies that you don't see anywhere else. And I and I do think that, like, it creates a little bit of a, a cool atmosphere. Like, going into Kraid's Lair, it's like, you got this this green jungly aesthetic going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I kind of do like in Brinstar, too, just, like, how some of the areas, like, look... Like, you have, like, the golden vertical hallways and, like, the mm-hmm. the blue tunnels. Like, I, I, I think that they look pretty sharp, and the music definitely helps them stick apart. I don't know... I don't know that they're, like, bombastic enough for me to up my score, but I, I think that, you know, given given what we were working with, they, they probably turned out about as well as they could. And, of course, it's something that's been improved instantly in every game, basically, that's come since. But I, you know, I, I, I kind of respect what they did. It's interesting because that if you, like, if you look at, and we were talking about how, you know, there's a lot of wandering, especially if you don't have a map. But then if you actually look at a map of the game, which you can do, by the way, on Megametro.com, I believe. But oh, uh, yeah. if you just look at a map of the game, it's actually not that crazy convoluted, I don't think. It just feels that way because of the pace of the game and the fact that you don't have a way to move around like yes. in a map. But like when you actually look at it from a macro perspective, it's actually not that convoluted. And it's actually not even really that big. Uh, it's It feels like it's just the area of maybe one Super Metroid section you know like, it's really not even that big at all so when you got this look, entire game could fit into green brinstar's pocket you're totally it, right yeah so it, it's kind of weird how how much of a difference it is to look at it from a macro perspective versus when you actually play it because it feels so much bigger because of how slow you move and and because you don't really know where you're going unless you've already you know taken the time to note it at, note it out or you've played it a lot or you're just kind of or intuitive and figure it out yourself so that's something I found interesting. And when you do kind of pull back, yeah, like a lot of these areas, especially like Brinstar, Norfair, like Ridley's Lair are pretty similar to one another. Craig's Lair and the lower left section of Brinstar and Torian are actually, you know, somewhat kind of similar. They're very, you know, they're more uh, vertical than horizontal. And Brinstar and Norfair and Ridley's Lair are more horizontal than vertical. Um I would say, you know, I'm going to give it a three. Just this is one where I more in the context of it being an NES game, I think does a pretty solid job of feeling like it's a, you know, a a solidly large map with a bunch of different routes to go in. And it's not just kind Mm. of sending you in one generic kind of path. Um, But I 100% agree that the it really goes a long way how the different areas have different music and they look drastically different from one another. And they aren't like super copy and paste they 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 do have some similarities but they have enough similarities where they don't feel like too crazy confusing but different enough where it doesn't feel like you're just going to the same area over and over again and i think that like 
difference of whether or not it's more horizontal or vertical certainly helps to that. But yeah, like you have, you know, the the main Brinstar level that's, you know, just that long blue hallway, but you have the golden, you know, um, like you said, like columns that go up and down the sides. You have green Brinstar, Norfair is all purpley, and Red, Ridley's like a magenta. Uh, Craig's Lair is oddly like, you know, a mixture of blue and green and, and Torian, which is like a steel, right? Like it's, and it certainly adds to that feel of you have areas that are maybe quintessential kind of sci-fi-ish and then other areas that just like more like demonic and, and feel more fantastical. And, mm -hmm. and that, I think it does a really, that's a really, a really solid thing that this game, uh, this game captures. Cause there are a lot of other games I think from the NES that like don't have very, like don't have a lot of dynamic different areas that don't feel very different. And Metroid, I don't think, is one of those. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it a three. And I think this also goes back to like the different architecture and the environments you're in are just really, really cool and well designed and, and fun to immerse yourself in. So right. I'm gonna give it a three. I, I think I'm gonna. You almost convinced me, but I think I'm gonna stick with the two. And kind of going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, where the world and atmosphere excels at the expense of some other things. I, I think that uh, just because like every like everywhere in this game has that that dark black background uh, it it does kind of homogenize the areas a little bit but i i think yeah. that i'm going to give an extra point when we get to the music because i i do think that the music really oh. really is what you know sells these areas as uh you know as the cool areas that they are um all right well let's talk about enemies of bosses you you kind of talked about them earlier and i'm going to basically echo everything that you said i'm going to give this a four actually um and more so for the enemies rather than the bosses. I, I mean, the amount of enemies in this game is just like staggering. And to, to your point, these enemies are still in Metroid games. Like you mm -hmm. still have key hunters. You still have gamers. Mm -hmm. You like these guys are, are still kicking it around 35 mm -hmm. years later, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, the designs of all the different enemies are really cool. And I think that this game did a really good job of, uh, you know how games will like present to you uh, a different color enemy and that one is is tougher. Metroid does that too, but it disguises it in a way that I I feel like it doesn't overdo it. So there's lots of like just crazy enemies to fight in this game and and I think that it's it's really uh probably one of the better things that this game does. And the way that the the game implements these enemies too in like really close quarters where like you can be walking and they just shoot out at you very quickly because the the screen is loading um is very you know it, again it adds to that atmosphere but it's very threatening uh, i feel like so i mean just the great designs and by the way the designs too in the official artwork not just the in-game sprites but like the artwork of these enemies is is awesome uh i i just like really love it and i probably would have given it a five actually except I, I do think that the bosses bring this down. Um, this is by far the most pitiful Ridley fight in the series. Like it's not even yeah, close. Bro. Um, which is too bad. The the Crade fight is okay, um, but like I don't know. It, it's it's certainly not the same as we've seen Crade in the past. Um, and and essentially, what I do is I just roll around and lay morph ball bombs, and that you know. That's how I beat him, so it's not really all that engaging. And then, like, Mother Brain is uh, is a very cool enemy, but not necessarily a boss. So, yeah, I, I think if it, I think if the Ridley and Kraid fights were a little bit more dynamic, I would be uh, tempted to to bump this up to a five. But uh, you know, those those kind of are what they are. But if, in terms of just like enemies alone, um, wow, this game. I mean, it, it it's awesome. It does a great job with them. Yeah, so we're counting enemies and bosses here, then, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would. I'm gonna put this at a at a at a four for the reasons. Like, I mean, you just kind of covered it, and I covered it earlier. Like, the enemies themselves are really good for an NES game. They have the, the they've stood the test of time. Clearly, these are quintessential Metroid enemies that haven't gone away and continue to show up. The the ways you fight them haven't even changed too much i think over time and for good reason they were designed really well from the get-go uh i just for me the bosses like you said just <laughs> are not great 
I mean, Kraid, the Kraid and Ridley, I actually don't mind the Mother Brain fight, even though you might not say it's a boss. It, it kind of is, but, like, I guess it is kind of just a, a bullet sponge. But, like, when you fight Ridley and Kraid, I'm just like, come on. Like, this is, like, you get into, like, the, the Ridley fight, and he just, like, jumps in place and shoots some little meager fireballs at you. And I'm just like, come on. Like, what is this? Like, you know, it is what and, it is. And you, but... you brought up Mega Man, too, which is, like, and, and even, like, Zelda. And even Mario. Like, yeah. there's there's really no excuse for these bosses to be as kind of lame as they are. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, I think even at the time, these were lame duck bosses so mm-hmm. i i can't even like say that you know it it's aged badly because i don't think that it was very good back in 1987 i think the thing is that they don't feel very much like bosses they just kind of feel like bigger enemies which is the yeah. problem you know like yeah. if they were if they were just enemies there'd be one thing and they'd probably be they'd be fine they'd be good but because they're treated like bosses and they are bosses you know there there's a little bit more of an expectation there and it doesn't really live up to that expectation whatsoever. They do feel kind of like just glorified regular enemies or, or sized up regular enemies. And for a boss encounter, you need a little bit more pizzazz, a little bit, little bit more oomph or oomph or whatever. And at least Mother Brain felt different because there really aren't any other enemies that are quite like Mother Brain in the game. So that kind of sticks out to me. But like Ridley just kind of feels like or even Kraid, just feel like they could have just been a, another enemy in the game, and, and they only kind of are bosses because the game says that they are. So uh, right. that's that's that, that's what knocks it down for me. But otherwise, uh, the enemies are, are great in this game, one of the highlights, and I think that's really what has helped Metroid in the long run because you have some really cool and unique enemy experiences in, you know, in the game, which are really cool. So... Um, that's, you know, that they've stood the test of time. One of the, the things that has really aged very well with, uh, any asteroid. Uh, I will say that as lame as Ridley and Kraid are, I think the Metroids are awesome. Yes. They, they're oh, like, what of a course. Threat yeah. The Metroids I are. forgot about that. Yeah. The, the yeah. name, the, the name itself. Yeah. I think the Metroids real, the Metroids almost in a way feel not, they don't feel like. The, I, I feel like you could go to Torian and like the Metroids kind of feel like the final boss to me. In, yeah, in yeah, it's like it's almost like I would even say it's like Torian itself is the is like the whole boss encounter, right? Like it's yeah, not that, just that's Mother probably a good Bra- way to put it. Yeah, it's not just like Mother Brain by itself, but it's you get to the area and it's traversing the area and dealing with the Metroids and Mother Brain together that it compensates an entire boss encounter to me, and not just you know Mother Brain itself, which I think works really well, but. Yeah, the the Metroids even kind of occupy this space where they're not bosses, but they feel like more than your regular enemy. So that, and they are for sure, but like they just really occupy an awesome kind of middle ground space and maybe even do their jobs better than the bosses themselves do. So I I agree. And they come out of nowhere too, which is very threatening. Um, All right, before we move on, I have a question for you and actually for all of our listeners. In the history of video games... Has there been a bigger glow up than Ridley from Nestroid to Super Metroid? Hmm. I, I mean, oof. He got he got quite the the upgrade from the first game to the third game. Just throwing that out there. Think yeah. on that, and let's talk about it in the Omega Metroid Discord. Um, all right, let's go to expansions and power ups here. This is uh this is always a favorite of mine because one of my favorite things to do in Metroid games is. You know, collect all the items and uh, and and do the puzzles and, and all that good stuff. And I'm gonna give this a big fat one because mm. you know this kind of goes back to the the premise and the gameplay of Metroid, where unlike other games in the series, uh, except for maybe Metroid Two, it's it's not really about doing anything to to get the power ups, but it's just about finding them. Which could be fine if you had a map to to help you navigate anywhere. Um, the you know almost every single missile expansion in this game is found by you just like walking along a hallway and then poof, it's right there. Um, and in particular, like it, on one hand, this is kind of helpful, but on the other hand, it's somewhat anticlimactic. In in Upper Norfair, there is like probably about eight missile expansions just like sitting right beside each other, so it's just kind of like. Oh, okay. I guess I'll I'll just take all these missiles, which which is great for 
you know, fighting Metroids and fighting Kraid, but it, it doesn't require any skill or any know-how to get them. And I would really say that about every expansion in this game. None of them really require any skill or any anything special um, that you need to do in order to get them. And yeah. again, I, I kind of look at Zelda as a contemporary and say that, like, you know, that game had a couple different puzzles that got, you know, got you a couple different items. And maybe we could have done something like that in Metroid, even if you had to, like, defeat a tough enemy in order to pick up a missile expansion if there was an enemy in the way. There right. really isn't an example of that. Um, it bugs me, too, that you can't have all the missile tanks or not all the missile tanks. I'm sorry, all the energy tanks. Yep. That you that you're capped out at six, which seems like outrageous to me. Then mm-hmm. uh, there's no good reason for that. So I don't like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's really there's nothing really to say about the expansions because all you do is is have to find them, and having to find them is frustrating because you don't have a map. So I yeah, this is a one. I yeah, <laughs> I hundred percent agree. There's like you don't even have like cool kind of puzzles really to figure out to get them and. There's really no urgency, I think, in getting them in the first place. So I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I don't have too much to add. I'm not someone who is, again, a full, super kind of crazy completionist in the first place. But I, this doesn't really kind of hit the balance of like making me want to get them in the first place. And as you said, a lot of them just kind of are there, and you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna grab them, I guess. So cool, great, awesome, and then you kind of move on. So. Uh, not as not as underwhelming as maybe other like just upgrades in general, but or maybe actually more I would say more underwhelming. Yeah, just kind of eh, very blah. I don't have much to say about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's really not much to say about them because there's there's nothing to them, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, all right, we always save this category for last because I I feel like you can always almost count on this delivering and giving us a happy ending to the show. Let's talk about the music for this game. Mm. I'm going to give it a five. Oh. You know, a couple months ago, a couple months ago, you asked me when I wasn't there on a show and you were doing like ranking the soundtracks or something. And I dogged on the Metroid soundtrack for some reason. I don't know why. I think I just made my ranking really quickly and I gave it to you and I and I had Metroid at like a D tier or a C tier or something. So I'm, I'm making it up for today. Truth be told, maybe it's more deserving of a four, but uh, I feel like I just want to give like one happy score to this game. And, and I'm also going to kind of let the you know what i was saying earlier about the areas and and how they're they feel different uh even though they really look almost identical except for the colors i feel like i'm going to give that credit to the music of the game um because the music just helps theme the areas so well um i think it does a really good job um so running through i mean obviously we have the iconic title theme we have the iconic brinstar theme i'm actually i'm not really a big fan of of the norfair theme but i love 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 the Ridley theme, and I'm surprised that it hasn't really come back that I can think of in Metroid games, because I think it's absolutely awesome. Uh, and of course, the the Kraid's Lair theme, which I think Super Smash Bros. Melee really made famous. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those are all really great tracks. The Item Room track is solid. The Ending Credit track is solid. Like, every track on this is really solid. And uh, there's something, I don't know, there's something about that kind of chip tune, like NES style of music that I, I find comforting. But it doesn't sound, like, annoying. Like, uh, like I, I feel like Game Boy Advance games in particular haven't... Like, that that sound chip to me just sounds kind of aggravating, where there's something smoother about the NES uh, sound chip. Duminal is losing his mind somewhere, because I'm not good at describing music. But, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a... I, I'm going to give this one a five. There's so many iconic tracks that came from this game. The way that the game actually uses the music in the environments, I feel like is just really smart, really clever and really helps the game um, differentiate what otherwise could have been a, a very homogenous experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm throwing out the big five. You know, I'm gonna, uh, I don't remember what I said about the Metroid soundtrack in our soundtrack rankings, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that I was probably wrong and I probably ranked it too low as well. I'm also going to give it a, I'm going to give it a five as well. I really, I really like the soundtrack here. It's, you know, for, again, this is something that I'm thinking actually both in both contexts, it aged really well and it was really good for its time. I think it's like I've said, it's that really awesome minimalist kind of soundtrack. It doesn't, it's not like filling every possible moment with sound and like just driving you nuts, like a certain theme in Metroid dread. 
and it's, <laughs> it works so well with the theme and the aesthetics of the game. But it's it's super iconic. Those those themes have stayed you know throughout the franchise, I, and they're they're super uh, noticeable. You can you know, you hear like maybe a single note or two, and you know exactly which track it is. And yeah, I, I surprised. I I think maybe I was. I don't remember what I said on that episode. I'm not gonna lie. I don't remember what I say on most episodes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna wager that I was wrong because I I'm more often than not wrong. Um, yeah, I I think. It's uh, an underappreciated aspect of the game. It certainly adds to the atmosphere and the environments and making each, like you said earlier, every area feel distinct. Um, just going back and, and hearing it in all aspects, even just like the Brinstar theme, just like, wow. They nailed this way back when. Like, this is just perfect for its time and for the Metroid series in general. I really enjoyed, like, how... It it kind of it kind of takes you back, right? Uh, uh, Tanaka really killed it, I would say. Like just saying, overall, I don't know. It it's there's something about it that just I, I'm not like you. I'm not a very musically inclined person. I'm, I'm sure like Doom's listening to this and is like, oh He's my shaking God. his head somewhere. Come yeah. on, say something. But I'm just like, ah, oh, it just sounds so good. <laughs> it does. Well, it well, does. Listen, I mean, I I don't know much about music, but I I do know what you I know like, and I know that. I know that when I listen to this, I, I feel a certain sort of nostalgia. Even though I didn't play Metroid like until much much later after I played Super Metroid, yeah, um, it still makes me kind of just reminisce about that time and that that area. And then, like I said, I, I've played a lot of Nestroid in the last couple months, more than I have in my entire life, and I, I really got an appreciation for the way that this game utilizes music i i think that it does uh, a really good job with that so. it just it just does so much with so little which i think speaks yes. volumes about yeah great way to put about it. the the soundtrack and the game overall well i wasn't expecting this dak well while you were talking i calculated our scores here and uh kodalaski has ranked nestroid one point higher than andy spateri has tonight so you have uh, hmm. an average of 2.8 i have an average of 2.7 Wow. So you know what? I I think that, frankly, that's that's a lot better than I thought that uh, this game might have ended up doing. Um, you know, just based on uh, just based on what we maybe have said about this game in the past on the show. Uh, you know, I think that a common a common thing that I think that you hear Metroid fans say is like Zero Mission has made Nestroid obsolete, and I actually I don't really think that that's entirely wrong. But I, I do think that there is a place for this game in 2022 still. And I do think that it can be fun. And, by God, if you want to watch me play this game on the 19th in support of the Trevor Project, you can do that. We're going to be doing a, a live stream of nice. Nestroid, Metroid Dread, and Super Metroid. So that's going to be a good time. Yeah. You know, I Yeah, I think it's still a game that can be appreciated. Though... Almost every time I'll be like, just play, just go play Zero Mission, because not only is Zero Mission like a great remake, but it's a, just a fantastic game in and of itself. Yes. It's so good. So this is a game, yeah. But it's actually, I would, I would round that up to a three. You know, I know it's technically a two point eight, but it's it's a three game for me for sure. It's 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 the the fundamental block of what makes Metroid Metroid, and I think just when you play this game, you can really see how really important. Obviously, the game is important because it's the first one, but like. I think a lot of people, when they think of, like, what's, like, the first really important Metroid game, they think of Super Metroid. Because Super Metroid really did characterize a lot of what we saw in, in the 2D Metroids that, you know, or in Metroid in general, even it influenced Metroid Prime and all that. Like, it, it it's so much of a integral game to the franchise overall. But the real reason why that is even possible is because of the original Metroid was such a good foundation, right? It wasn't like Super Metroid kind of started from scratch in a lot of ways. Like, it was mm -hmm. a game that, you know evolved and modernized for the time what metroid for the nes was it didn't like look at nes metroid and was like this didn't work this didn't work do all this completely different no it kind of did a lot of the same things i mean it even took place in the same place entirely it did a lot of what the original metroid did but it evolved and advanced it in natural ways it didn't just kind of scrap and and do things over which i think is really imp uh, an important distinction because it could have absolutely mm. done that and it probably could have still been a great game but it took a lot 
of influence from the original game. And it, it also took a lot of influence from the original game, despite the fact that another game had come out in between the two, you know, like Metroid 2 came out. And though Metroid, you know, and you think about it, like the original Metroid 2, there really wasn't a lot in and of itself to kind of build off of, I don't think. At the same time, it does certainly take things from um, the original, you know, Return of Samus. But very obviously, Super Metroid has that foundation because the original Metroid was designed so well. So I think that's certainly something of, of merit to think about. And I think if you haven't played the original Metroid, it's not something that you'll find yourself going back to a ton of times. But especially as a Metroid fan, I think it's certainly worth playing, certainly worth replaying, giving yourself a chance to kind of maybe get into it. Maybe kind of, you know, like I was talking about earlier, maybe get into it and, and open up a notebook and try to draw out your own map and, and figure things out on your own and, and, and get a new experience that you can't really get to today when, the you know, every game is giving you a waypoint and a map and this and that and hints and all that stuff and a dialogue to tell you where to go and, and all that. Like, this game is very pure in that aspect, so I think it's worth experiencing. I, I mean, not that there's a ton of Metroid games, but if, if you're doing a Mount Rushmore of Metroid games, this is on there, right? Oh, well, and actually, I would argue that, uh, that there's only three distinct games that I put on there. Maybe the fourth is up for debate, but... Uh, I don't know if I'd put yeah. on the Mount Rushmore, but I would say it's the rock that the I, I think, Mount Rushmore is built from. To. Okay. Um, that's not, that's I, I, I also... I don't know if I could say in good conscience that I think that people... I mean, if you want to play this game and make your own map, like, you totally could. I, I For me... I was playing Metroid and, you know, I, I had went and, and actually mapped the game and, and created a map. And once I had that, I had, and once I kind of had um, my designated route, which is available on OmegaMetroid.com, by the way, I, I found that the game was actually quite enjoyable. And, and I think that with those modern, not tweaks, but like those modern, um, I don't know, like the... It helps it. Just put it that way. My my brain's shutting off because we're doing a late night show. But I think if you have that, it it definitely helps play this game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that it it has merit. It's it's worth uh you know it's worth playing once if you're a Metroid fan. I I think so. Yeah, I think I think that we landed on a good score, and I'm happy with that. Uh, and I hope that you guys were happy with this show. We uh we are gonna get out of here because it is. Uh, past our boys bedtime and we uh we're running very late but uh, of course we want to encourage everybody to head on over to omegametroid.com check out the walkthrough for this game if you want to give it a shot uh while you're there maybe uh check us out over on patreon i'm about to fire up some super duper metroid in a couple days so i'll have a, a full report on that game uh which will be coming very soon in the meantime check us out over on twitter at omegametroidpod at spateri316 at daxcity underscore and, uh, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, like and subscribe. We are going to get out of here March 19th. We're going to be live streaming, so come and uh, hang out with us. We'll have some details on OmegaMetroid.com in the next couple days. And until then, everybody, take care. <laughs>